Fuck you and you and you. I hate your friends and they hate me too. I'm through, I'm through, I'm through. This that hot girl by my anthem, turn it up and throw attention. This that hot girl by my anthem, turn it up and throw attention. Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, and welcome to the National Pastime Dynasty Podcast. I am your host, commissioner, and more importantly, three-time champion, Max. And I am joined by many-time podcaster, Huck, and uh, one or two-time playoff attendee, Ethan. Is, is, that, is that correct? I, yeah, one, one-time playoff attendee. I won in those playoffs a matchup. Okay. So one-time playoff matchup champion. Great. Like the Washington Wizards of this league. What a title. What yeah, and and uh, congratulations on getting me to do a podcast when Otani is facing the Astros. I would love to be on the couch watching this, but instead I am gracing y'all with my presence. So here we are. I mean, that's sacrifice. I it still anticipate if Otani does anything, I still think you're you're pulling double duty. You're still posting in the group text. Mm. Oh, I'm not seeing it with my own eyes, which is really what I want to see. That's true. Yeah. That's true. Um, well, welcome to what hopefully what we intend to be a weekly podcast that moving forward will be recorded on Monday nights and posted on Tuesday mornings. Um, we've been a little lax in doing our weekly podcast because we've been busy doing uh, podcasting for the Basketball League, which is in its championship week now. And so now we will put our full podcast focus on the Baseball League. Um, where we'll talk about trades, matchups, anything that's going on in our fantasy league and larger things in Major League Baseball. Yeah, absolutely. So first things first. So we've had a lot of trades so far this season, some really splashy ones, and maybe for a later podcast, we'll go over some of those earlier ones. I know Trevor dealt Acuna, and that was huge. Um, But just today... We had a big trade between John and Chase, two people that very rarely trade, in which John traded Gerald, Jared Walsh, Paul DeYoung, and Araldus Chapman for Trevor Bauer and Mackenzie Gore, um, which I just think is an absolutely wild trade. Uh, Huck, I want to get what you think on this trade before I give any other reaction. So the first thing that is, probably jumps out of everybody is that Trevor Bauer in the 19th round was traded to John chase held on to Trevor Bauer since he was drafted. I mean, that's been arguably his best keeper. So it was surprising that he was going to agree to a deal like this. I mean, I'm talking since the diamondbacks chase has had him um, back in the days where he was lesser known and more of a uh, strikeout high ERA type pitcher. Uh, What really people don't see is this guy, Jared Walsh also in the 19th. Uh, Angels have enough confidence in Jared Walsh that they let go of probably one of the best hitters in baseball history. I know he's at the end of his tenure, but Jared Walsh, he's the future of the Angels. And we saw it last night. He went 4-4. The guy can just rake. So that's a good pickup. Paul DeJong, um, always a good offensive shortstop if you need help there. And a really solid saves guy in, in a role as Chapman. The thing that I don't like is so I think Chase's return on this was immaculate. I think it was great. 
what I don't like on John's turn is that he adds another NA. Um, and one thing I don't want to give away too much strategy here, but I, I'm not huge on NA pitchers. Even Mackenzie Gore being definitely one of the top five, going to be super strong coming out. Um, NA pitchers are are very, very hit or miss. A lot of times they come up and they get bombed. They go back down, they figure it out, they come up, then they figure it out. And then, you know, it's 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 a process for them. Uh, McKenzie Gore could come up later this year for the Padres and have like a 670 RA and be back down AAA uh, and then start out next year and be like their ace type or number two type guy. Um, it, it, the re, other teams besides John's could do this way better than John can because John's already fielding so many NAs to the point where it's really uh, degrading his team and, and making him suck. So I think that, you know, John had this, I'm going to punt the pandemic year. And after I won a championship and, you know, take it as a year to kind of rebuild my, my farm system type thing. And that's great, but it almost looks like he's doing it again. I know he's two, two and one, uh, two and oh within the division, but it just doesn't, his team does not look good on paper, especially on offense after this trade. So, uh, I know he's got clinic coming up and stuff like that, but as far as the trade goes, I think chase did a fine job. I mean, John has seven NAs right now. So yeah. that's, that's hard to argue. Ethan, what do you think about the trade? Um, I d- disagree with Huck. Um, I do. I agree with some of the things he said. Um, you know, Walsh in the 19th is a really nice player. Um, but Andrew made this point uh, earlier when we were talking about just the league in general. Chase was already second in our league in offensive roto behind only Levi. And he's middling in pitching he's in and kind of on the bottom end of middling in pitching so in that context it's very curious to me that he would uh and this was andrew's point too that he would want to trade bauer for an offensive return and chapman is a pitcher i get that but for a not a a non-starting pitcher return and um and that i kind of agree with that thinking um I mean, DeYoung is a fine player. Jared Walsh is uh, has a 410 BABIP. I feel like I'm stealing what Max was going to say, but he's you know he's also hitting almost 350. So even when his BABIP comes down and his batting average comes down, he's still going to have a very nice batting average. He's still on pace for you know 30 home runs, and in the 19th round, that's great. But um, I don't know that. Regardless of value, I don't know that. I like this trade from a team building perspective. Um, but also what the fuck do I know? Yeah. Uh, I, I was going to mention the 410 Mabip. Um, that being said, like I can't deny that Jared Walsh is an outstanding player. Um, hits the ball hard, hits the ball to all fields. Uh, so he's not a pull only hitter. And walks 10% of the time, his K's are hovering right around 20%, which uh, in this day and age, like that used to be a bad thing 10 years ago. Right now that's fantastic, especially for somebody who hasn't been in the league for very long. 
Um, I think he's going to be a fantastic hitter. Bat 290 with 35 homers, which is great. Uh, but if I'm not mistaken, Chase has... So first of all, Chase is second in the league in homers right now. And I don't see the need for him to make this trade with Yuli Gurriel hitting the way he is in his first base slot. So now he's got Jared Walsh as a right field, right field util guy um, because Jose Ramirez at third base isn't going to go anywhere. And he already had the 14th best pitching in the league, which is not good for those keeping score at home. Um, Araldis Chapman should help that. He should be able to pay, help pick him up some saves. I know he's got Soroka on the IL, um, but you trade away one of the best pitchers in the league, especially when a lot of people are using this keep one really good pitcher and, you know, Huck's, Huck's uh, 5-2 strategy of, you know, DeGrom, I'm going to I'm gonna sacrifice wins and quality starts, but I'm going to use DeGrom and a bunch of relievers and I'm not going to walk people and I'm, you know, going to win the averages and win holds and saves. Chase was set up to do something like that because without Bauer, his pitching is really abysmal. Um, so at first I really hated the value side of the deal before I looked deeper into Walsh. I'm not a DeYoung believer. I've been fooled before. Um, he's going to bat between 230 and 240 and probably hit 25 homers, which is fine. Uh, but it's, you know, a dozen of those guys will pop up on the waiver wire this year. So I don't know. I don't really love the trade for either side. I completely agree with Huck that I don't understand what John is doing. I expect O'Neill Cruz to be dropped within a week or two. Um, I guess he feels comfortable doing this because he's still two and two, but that's, there's no way he keeps that up with his entire bench being devoted to players that don't play. Um, so we'll you, see how that plays out. When me. you, when you say Chase's team is, is also set up to do that kind of strategy where you're talking about low innings pitched, uh, you know, routine, the only way that works and John has done it, you know, he's two years removed from winning a championship doing this. The only way that works is if your starting pitchers that you do have are good and can eat a lot of innings don't walk a lot of people, keep a low ERA and a low whip because that's where a lot of your innings are coming from is those one, two, maybe three starting pitchers. Chase's starting pitchers are Eovaldi, T1 Walker. Uh, he'll have Framber when he comes back. He does have Mike Soroka, who I believe is out for the year. Um, those aren't like blown away kind of starting pitchers and so that's yeah, Bauer is though you know Bauer, and Bauer is but I'm just saying I don't I don't if Chase is trying to do that kind of strategy oh and he has a Hector uh, or Huascar you know I think that's his name yeah Huascar, the, the, you know he hits dingers right he hits dingers and he's had a really good year in the, in the pitching side of things so I don't think Chase is actually setting up for that per se um and if he is it's doing kind of a poor job uh you know, he's got some, he doesn't have a lot of like elite setup guys or closers. Ryan Stanek is not an elite setup guy or closer. He's a guy that we can bring in seventh, um, which is kind of a more of a niche situation. It's not, he's not going to come in in every close game. Um, and the same thing with Lois Saiga. So I, I get where you're coming from talking about Chase's team like that, but I, I, I don't believe if he's trying to do that, he's not doing it correctly. Talking about John's team, John probably wants to get back to where he was two years ago. And if you remember, he had Kluber and Scherzer and Justin Verlander. Out of those three, 
two years later, less than two years later, a year and a half later, he has none of those guys. So he probably wants to rebuild. I mean, he has Woodruff and Colors and Pearson, lots of good pitchers, uh, but he doesn't have uh, those three core guys that he once had. And it, I'm telling you, if you know you're going to win certain pitching categories or hitting categories, it's it's a great way to to start a winning streak. It's a great way to go into any week saying, "Hey, I'm definitely going to win this these games, and I'm definitely going to lose these. Now let's try to win. Concentrate on on a few here and there." Yeah, I, I completely agree. I just don't I don't know how John's getting through without a full lineup right now. Like he, he's just not going to win those counting stats. He's, he's got those good pitchers you outlined and he's got a solid bullpen, despite the fact that Amir Garrett has just been awful this year. Um, but so, I mean, out of the guys, clinic Frank, Franco, Adele, uh, Adley, O'Neill Cruz, Logan Gilbert, uh, McKenzie Gore. How many of those guys do you think uh, legitimately come up and make a fancy impact? Kalinic will. He's up. He's up on Thursday. Um, Wander Franco. I know he was up for the World Series last year, you know, and he's in AAA, just raking right now. But and so he might. Um, Joe Adele has had his dip in the in the major leagues, and I don't really, I don't know. I mean, maybe he comes back up. Maybe we see some. I don't think Adley comes up till next year. I don't think uh, so either. I think you're looking at Kalinic and Gilbert in the short term. And Wander's just not a guy you can drop. Like, Wander's not a guy you can drop. Joe Adele isn't a guy you can drop. I'd say uh, out of all of them, O'Neill Cruz is the only one you can really drop. And with the rest of them, there's plenty of teams in the league that don't have NAs. So, uh, like, I I would start shopping. Um, okay, but if you do that, you can't the, – the way – and I've had this conversation before. The way you do that is in August or July. You don't do that in May. You don't trade away NAs in May because – uh, you have no idea where you're going to be. John could trade away a bunch of NAs in May and then go on a six-game losing streak and be like, well, that was dumb. Um, so, you know, we'll just have to see how it goes. But shopping NAs right now, um, I wouldn't suggest it. Now, in Chase's situation, I think that he's in a position where he thought he could make his offense that much better. Um, and he's you know, leading our division or, or close to the top of our division. So, um, you know. He made, he made a decision. Yeah. Well, we'll see how it plays out for him. The league in general is just hard to read right now. Um, given that, you know, they, they deadened the ball, which it's, there's a, a lot of science behind it. Uh, you know, they, they lessened the ride on the ball. And so across the league, you're seeing less homers um, and in general, less offense. And part of that is coming from the deadened ball. And part of it is because strikeouts are at a new high. There's a million different stats flying around where it's like people have never struck out this often in history. And that, that number has been reset every year, but it's climbed to such a number this year where it's like, is it a concern? Um, I pulled BABIPs just from last year. And for the year last year, there were um, 11 teams that were a BABIP batting average on balls in play over 300, which in years past, there would generally be 15 teams over 300, 15 under. Um, and last year there was 11 as of right now, there's three. So Jeez. batting averages are down across the league. And general last year, there were still enough home runs to kind of counteract that because, you know, home runs aren't balls in play. So BABIP in general 
uh, doesn't doesn't get affected by those. If anything, it, it drops because you know home runs still count towards batting average. But is this an issue? You know, with with bad batting averages, you know, bad stats across the league. I think we've been able to feel it with people less willing to deal sluggers in, in years past. It's I need to deal for a good ace and pitchers were at a premium. Now it's hitters. Is this a problem that needs to be solved by the league or is this something that's going to work itself out? Um, i going to start with you, Huck. So I don't think it's a problem for this year. Uh, you know, I'm not one of those people that says, Hey, I got to see home runs. We're, I mean, we do see home runs, you know, I, and I think that this, makes people adjust to kind of this wiffle ball environment that we're working with. Cause I think the balls are lighter and uh, they have more moving on them, movement on them. And so that's creating the lower batting average, et cetera. I don't think it's a problem for this year. I am entertained by baseball. Uh, I, I'm entertained by baseball, whether there's somebody in a home run race or not. Um, you know, I'm entertained if somebody hits 40 in a year uh, in rather than 60. So that's not a problem for me. I love baseball as a whole, and I'm one of those old school, you know, move the runner over type person. The problem that I think that needs to be fixed is that they need to stop changing this year to year. Um, if we're almost guessing, because I think that they changed the, the, the ball in the playoffs last year as well. Um, cause we saw, you know, the, the massive home runs and, and I remember the monthly statistics that the ma- most major league home runs, or it was, uh, two years ago, it, most major league home runs ever in a month or ever in a season were set. And it was set like two weeks before the end of the season. Um, and then, so I, I don't know who gets together, you know, I'm not, I'm sure it's, you know, these, these very, high up people in baseball that get together and decide what well, we're going to change the ball so that this happens, et cetera. But what needs to happen is there needs to be some kind of continuity from year to year uh, so that we're not guessing about these statistics so that we're not saying, uh, you know, is it the ball this year or is, is, is there something fishy going on behind the scenes or what's happening? You know, why, why had Pete hit, 55 60 home runs this year and then come and hit 30 the next year why is he back to hitting 60 you know we so it just needs to be uh, uh something that that from year to year we we can count on uh the same kind of ball and the same kind of hitting environment because i, I think from year to year we're we're guessing ethan what do you think i mean i think it's a number of factors i think some of it is the ball and it changing and the state it's in right now. And like Huck was saying, relative to years past, I think part of it is the approach from the pitching side and everything that Sutton hates and all these dudes that come in for less time and throw nastier stuff that if they did that for 120 pitches, every fifth game would blow their arm out, you know, real quick. Um, but, you know, they Tampa Bay uses has a bunch of dudes and they just use them. It seems like, you know, in their little increments for better or worse. And so I think that makes just pitching generally fresher and nastier to deal with. And then I think part of it's the approach from the hitter side and launch angle and the things that front offices reward guys for on the free agent market and in arbitration contractually. Um, 
our power numbers. And so guys are taking whatever approach that, you know, I mean, it's no different than, well, it is different because it's not at all legal like steroids, but you know, everyone's just chasing the power because the power is stardom and, and greater money. So, um, that also comes with a lot of three true outcome ball. So I think it's really a combination of all three. And for me, and I, I don't know if I'm a, a part of a majority on this, but I know I speak for at least some community of fans. I want to see in all of the sports I follow, football, basketball, baseball, just a sport exists where there's multiple different ways to consistently win games and be good. Like in the NFL, it's largely you got to have a good quarterback. But we've seen teams like recently the Denver Broncos, Baltimore Ravens, things like that, win with defense. You know, in the past, we saw people win with the running game. In basketball right now, the real fear is it's just becoming whichever team makes more threes wins the game. And it, it, that's my fear as well as a fan. And in baseball, it's starting to feel like just whoever hits more home runs wins the game. And so approach-wise, I want to see hitters adjust their approach. Um, easier said than done. But to just to try and generate offense in ways that, you know, I love small ball. Small ball does not exist anymore in any capacity. Like the Royals won the World Series with it in 2015, and nobody in today's game, I feel like, and I'm sure Tim's will correct me if I'm wrong, Matt will correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, doesn't feel like anyone does it even half that much anymore in terms of like bunting, stealing bags, manufacturing runs. Uh, and like, I miss that. Right now, it's not just about the strikeouts. It's really the, everyone's chasing one same way to try and win, and that gets very – it feels like you're hitting your head against a wall. Well, it's – I was it, it, bunted for a hit last night. Yeah. Hey, but, I, I love it. But a, a, a lot of these teams, uh, you're right, Ethan, they're going after these home runs. They're getting paid to hit home runs. I mean, that's where analytics and money agree that mm – -hmm. Uh, hitting a home run wins baseball games. And that's what, who you need. You need one through nine hitters that hit home runs. And you're right, since the 2015 Royals, that we really haven't seen a lot of teams. I mean, the Royals still steal. They still, you know, uh, punt that sure. and just say, hey, we're just going to run. We're going to try to move people over. Uh, every inning for them is like the 10th inning in baseball. And that's fine. That's great. It's wonderful. Um, but, you know, when you have something like this where it's, low batting averages and people are swinging for the fences and, you know, and we don't know if that's happening. It may be, like you said, just the ball. Um, if this continues for like half a decade, a decade, people have to rethink whether they want one through nine guys that are hitting 195 or 220 uh, and trying to hit 20 to 30 home runs throughout the lineup. Um, they much rather have, you know, the the guy who's at the top of the lineup hitting 290 300 uh and can launch him into the gaps or or get on base at, at a higher click so you know i don't know it, it, that's what's kind of frustrating is because we've gone so long i think for the last five or six years uh even longer than that we've gone so long where it's just hit a home run hit a home run hit a home run that's how we play baseball we hit home runs we strike people out and uh we have a strong bullpen that'll come in and shut them down when we have a small lead and I feel like if this change that we have this year is permanent, uh, it changed the game. It changed it immensely. It's, uh, it's now a game where, like you said, there's multiple different ways to win. 
There's the small game, the, you know, the, the speed game, stealing bases and whatnot. Um, you know, and it'd, it'd be nice to see. Yeah, no, I agree with that. Uh, to, to Ethan's point, the Dodgers led the league in home runs last year and they were 11th in batting average. Do either, of you know, who, which team was first in batting average? First in batting average, the Astros. Nope. Best best team in batting average. Ethan, do you have a guess? Speechless. Y'all talking to me? I put a thing that said I'll be right back, but I guess you're not looking at the Zoom. Oh, sorry, I wasn't <laughs> looking at the Zoom. Oh, no, I went to procure more whiskey, so it was a righteous. It was a righteous cause. Okay, I that guess. makes sense. Ethan, which team do you think led? The major led the major leagues in batting average in 2020. Uh, in 20, I, I don't know. I feel like it's the Dodgers, but why would you be asking if it was that obvious? But I'll no, guess the Dodgers. Well, while you were out, we were talking about how the Dodgers led the league and and homers. Sorry, I really should have read your sign. So the team that <laughs> that led the league in batting average last year was the Mets, and as we know, they really, won. yes, they bat 272 last Fuck year. Fuck the Mets. And, and as we know, they weren't that successful. Um, the Rays bat 238, Dodgers bat 256. Um, both those teams made the World Series. And, you know, it's to your point, it, that's, I would like to see a game where it's more difficult to construct a roster than I'm going to find guys that strike people out on the pitching side and I'm going to find guys that hit home runs on the offensive side. And that's what analytics are telling people to do right now. So I'm in favor of what um, some of these potential Epstein changes, or you're talking about maybe you move the mound back six inches and you make it so that the ball, it's, it's not so much that you can't get hits from it as much, but it's, if you're going to be a 40 to 50 home run hitter, you have to still be a good hitter. You can't just be a big, strong guy. Like you still have to be able to hit it square. Um, which I think is the point of the changes they're making now. But ultimately, the the low batting averages, the high strikeouts and things like that, I want to mostly blame it on COVID and last year being a weird year and preparation being different. And now they're in front of fans. And I'm hoping that it adjusts with temperatures warming up and things like that. But I guess we'll have to see, uh, we'll have to see which way that goes. Have you guys heard about the Oakland A's relocating? Yes. So yeah, I heard that early. today. Yeah. I bad so for Oakland. It's bad for Oakland, but it's probably good for baseball. I my landing spot of choice for them would be Portland. I think it's a good sports city for the Blazers and it'd be fun to have another uh another team up in the northwest. Uh Ethan, where what city do you think would be the best spot for them? Yeah, I think Portland is is on the short list because you know, they're in the AL East or West as opposed to the NL West. So they're in Seattle's division. I feel like that Pacific Northwest rivalry um, for folks up there, even like it, that's a big soccer hub up there and like their soccer rivalry is really exciting. So I think that could just be fun. Um, and I know Seattle would, would appreciate having a team that doesn't rack up as much mileage for them um, road travel wise. Um, so that's one. There's assuming that they're going to stay, you know, out West, there's not going to be like a realignment and they're there. So they're going to need to be somewhere in the mountain or Pacific time zone. You know, I, I guess Vegas is the other logical choice. 
I've been trying to think of like a good heartland market that like you could get. I mean, it's still got to be a, a big city, big ish city, but that's got like, that's like real Midwestern, but I don't know that they're missing any out there that I'll are that bet, big. I'll bet Huck has an idea for a good uh, non-Northwestern city that Oakland could move to. Uh, yeah, I, 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 no. And if you think I'm going to say San Antonio, I, I, I don't think that that's a good idea. I don't think anybody wants to go to San Antonio as far as an ownership is concerned. Um, I absolutely thought you were going to say that. Yeah, I did no. too. Sutton and Victor, if they're listening, just screamed at their podcast listening device of choice. Like, what are you doing? No, no, no. Listen, I would have loved to have a major league baseball team in San Antonio when I lived there. And I would have gone and I would have, you know, enjoyed it. You have to understand the demographics of San Antonio and that, um, yeah, it's like the fifth biggest city in the United States. Um, but they don't really, um, they're not big baseball type fans. They're more of a soccer and they've really adopted basketball since um, I, I think what helped was that the Spurs were very good. And they were the only team in town, and that's what it attracted. But if the Spurs were bad, um, then I would have predicted that they would have already left San Antonio. It's just not a great sports town. Um, but I, I really would think Nashville. I think Nashville's growing at an incredible rate. And that would be uh, great, but like that would require realignment. See, you say that, but you know the uh, NFC East in football has the Cowboys yeah but they they the overt they openly said we're just doing this to keep rivalries together because all the three east coast teams hate the cowboys and the cowboys love to be hated I jerry guess. obviously vibes on that but yeah. you know if the oakland a's don't have any retaining rivalries into the west coast I mean, oh, okay the, so the, you're, the you're you asked anyways because like what houston to seattle is not a regional flight dude you know? nashville yeah. is in east tennessee I yeah. went to school in that part of the country. I'm from a little further east of that part of the country. Nashville was east of, I think, the entire, both central divisions, all 10 teams except for uh, Pittsburgh. No less west teams. But I think they make it's it work. Really if, far east. Uh, if, but if, if they really want to move there, I think they'd make it work. Because um, you know, like they realign said, the they, league. I don't think that it's going to happen. I said it would be a good city, but I think the more realistic thing is what uh, Ethan said in Las Vegas. I think Las Vegas is attracting all these major league sports teams that people said would never work there. Um, you know, with the uh, the Golden Knights and uh, and now the Raiders. Raiders. You know, you, and that city is booming. I mean, it is growing, not just, you know, you think of Las Vegas as a strip, but it's got a lot of suburbs now and it's really expanding. So yeah, I think that Oakland would love to move there and, uh, or the A's would love to move there. And I, do I think it's, it's a great decision? No, I, I don't. I would love for them to stay in Oakland because I think the Oakland A's have some rich history, um, more than obviously the Raiders who were, you know, from St. Yeah. Louis to LA to Oakland, well, whatever. Did you see their statement that they put out to, that MLDB released today on the A's social channels? I mean, it's not really the A's decision. MLB basically said, we don't want the Coliseum being a part of major league stadiums for that much longer. 
and the local government out there is they've had this whole standoff with them about who's going to fund building a new stadium. And so if that just ends in a stalemate, then the MLB is like, cool, what, then you have to leave. Because by hell or high water, we're not going to extend the time that we're including the Coliseum in this. And that's and totally so fair. I feel bad for the the Oakland residents because it's really, and I'm probably oversimplifying, but it's really like, hey, you guys are going to fund this with your taxes or we're going to fucking leave, said the yeah. owner who's worth more than a billion dollars. Well, the owner also said- the owner also said we want a river or we want a a, a a bay front stadium and we refuse to tear down the coliseum and build on the spot that we are currently at uh which would decrease the amount of money being spent um significantly so there's a lot of True. sides asking for something and it doesn't look True. good um you know it I think they've been put in this situation before Oakland has been put Oakland residents and the Oakland uh, city council right. has been put in this situation multiple times. I mean, we're talking uh, over a decade that they've been talking about this and on multiple fronts um, saying, Hey, we're out of here. If you guys don't pay for this, they don't pay for it. They stay, they don't move, you know, now, but, the, but now we've seen the Raiders move. Uh, now we've seen that the, uh, the, the warriors have moved across the pond to San Francisco. So I think it's a realistic thing now uh, that they do move. And I think it's the most realistic uh, spot is, uh, is Las Vegas. Yeah. Um, But what would I like? I would like to see something like Nashville. I'd like to see Max's choice. I'd like to see Portland. I'd like to see something a little bit more, I guess, homey feeling. I, I think Vegas is, if you've ever seen the, the, Death Star looking stadium the Raiders have in Vegas. It's right <laughs> off the strip. Yeah. Uh, it's not, you know, it's. You know, what would be a kick ass city is New Orleans. College baseball, I went to, I mean, Kentucky's not a baseball school. It's It gets too cold in Kentucky, I feel like, to have a lot of good amateur baseball talent. But uh, like LSU, Ole Miss, Mississippi State, they sell out their entire season, just like their football team. It's a huge deal down there. And I bet New Orleans would draw. A very steady, very drunk, rowdy, fun crowd. And and you may be right on that. You you know I don't know uh, if I, I don't know. You you may be right, but I uh, you know the A's would have to restructure the way they play baseball to succeed in some of these cities because right yeah, now true. the A's are the cheapest team in baseball. I mean, you watch Moneyball; they're still doing that. Uh, you know, the giant, well, and they're still it. making it work. They're still making it work. And they're still decent. But when you got a like 37 year old Jed Lowry starting at second and <laughs> revitalizing his career, you know, there, that's just not something a lot of teams do. No, um, I think in Vegas, you need a marketable start. You need to have one of these. I mean, it's not like the $300 contract is what makes him a star, but you need one of these dudes that merits $300 million contract to yeah. be like a corner. You're, you can't, it's awkward when you're when your opening day starter is Sean Manai, who I love, Shalom Y'all's finest. But yeah. it's like that's underwhelming if you're opening a new ballpark in Las Vegas. Like yeah. Yeah, you should I feel like you're obligated to And you're working with uh, your best hitter is like well, I mean, Olsen and Chapman. Yeah, they have I, some good hitter, but they're not huge stars, but that's also probably baseball market. That's baseball, yeah, exactly. Right. Um Yeah. All right. 
interesting enough. Um, we'll see how that pans out. I, I agree with you that if Oakland was to relocate, I think their ownership group would need to quit doing what they're doing now, which is basically trying to ball on a budget. They need to start paying superstars or drawing some sort of free agents that aren't just uh, good deals to the park, you know? Uh, so it'll be interesting to see how that, how all that plays out. So up next, I want to do a segment called Waiver Wire All-Stars in where we look at players that are currently available in the league that for one reason or another we don't roster, but we think should be rostered. Um, It can be a hitter or a pitcher. I will go first. The guy I'm going to pick is Tyler O'Neill. So Mm -hmm. Tyler O'Neill for the Cardinals uh, is getting regular playing time in the outfield. And in the past, he's been known as the totally jacked, tattooed guy that strikes out way too often. And neither of those things have changed. Um, He's still totally jacked, still crazy tattooed looking guy. And he strikes out 32% of the time, which is actually better than he did in his first season, which was 40%. Um, If anything, he's leaning into that and he doesn't take walks. He's, I think he's taken two walks this season um, in 84 plate appearances. Uh, And as a result, he's got a 241 batting average, but here's the thing. He hits the shit out of the ball and he runs really, really fast um, to the point that he's got three steals already this year. It looks like he can steal 15 to 20 bases and realistically batting 240, he can hit 30 to 35 home runs. If not more, he's got an average exit velocity. Uh, sitting around 92. This is the guy that he can hit balls hard. I When I say like Stanton, nobody can hit the ball hard like Stanton, but he can hit those 110 plus mile an hour balls. And he's doing it consistently to all parts of the field. Um, he used to be strictly a pole hitter and he was a high launch angle guy kind of hitting the ball straight up into the air. Now he's hitting more line drives. Um His line drive rate is at an all-time high for his career. He's not exclusively hitting fly balls. And like I said, he hits it to left, center, and right, primarily hard hit balls. Um, So this is a guy that I would compare to, I don't know, any 240, like like a Jorge Soler. He's going to hit 240. He's going to hit between 30 and 40 homers. But with him, I think – Maybe he might not hit as many homers as Solaire, but he's going to give you a sneaky amount of steals. I think he can get up to 15 steals. Um, he's been on a couple of teams' rosters this year. I know Andrew had him at one point. Do you guys like Tyler O'Neill? Uh, he's not my kind of player. Uh, he does fill up stat sheet, um, but he, he swings and misses a lot. And he's the guy that's going to try to launch it. Um, and when you have somebody who's going to try to launch it like that, um, unless he's consistently uh, successful at launching it, uh, he's he's a little bit limited at just playing left field. And I'm not 100% sure. He is also the fourth outfielder, I, I, if I'm not mistaken, right? I mean, um, there's three outfielders that start over him. Um, I think it's him or Car- Carlson, correct? Uh, I don't think so. He has played... Well, maybe he's, he's played 24 games. He has 84 play appearances this season. So, right. And, and so he's just limited to left field. 
that's it's such a rough spot to just put somebody at one position unless they're really really good and uh, really sustain that spot. Is he somebody that somebody picks up and gets hot? You're right. Five home runs, 12 RBIs, three stolen bases. He can fill up stat sheet. But 241 and a 742 OPS doesn't really hold my attention if he just plays left field. The guy had four or five more positions. I'm sure John's picking him up instead of Nico Goodrum. I think he's on a team that's being he's being fielded as a team. He might have been drafted if, he, if, if that's the case. Um, but just playing left field really limits him. Um, it looks like he does play the majority of games. And if he's not playing, then he uh, is the pinch hitter because right. only Dylan Carlson in the outfielder has, or in the outfield has more at bats than him. Yeah. I mean, and, and you may be right, but that's just, I don't want a National League guy that comes in to pinch it for the pitcher starting in just my left field. I, that's just me. Should he be picked okay. up and play utility? Yeah, maybe, but I don't know. Who, who's your uh, waiver wire all star then? Uh, it, so I won't say waiver wire all star, but a guy that I have uh, looked at the past few weeks since he was traded in real life um, is Mike Talkman. Uh, Mike Talkman was supposed to be, and I'm saying that right, right? Mike Talkman, Talkman, yeah, yeah. Uh, so he was supposed to be kind of a, uh, first of all, when he's playing for the Yankees, I was like, man, he really fought for a starting job. Obviously he wasn't going to hit over Hicks and Giancarlo and Frazier and the long line. They have Florio coming up. Obviously he was just lost in that jumble. So he wasn't going to, and judge, he wasn't going to get a lot of playing time, um, in that, in that lineup. But when he was up, if you remember, uh, was it two years ago when they had just, uh, a litany of injuries. I mean, so yeah, 2019. Many injuries. 2019. He really impressed me, and I was like, and I, he was started on in on uh, in fancy, and he was kind of thrown around in trades and whatnot. I mean, he was a big deal. Um, you know, obviously with the pandemic, we didn't hear a lot about him. But the Giants, the sneaky Giants, who are I think 23 and 14, leading that NL West, uh, and have put together oh, yeah, just, Trevor. Yeah, they've they've put together a a pretty good team with a bunch of guys like Logan Webb and just Alex Wood and all these uh, hitters that maybe people have lost in the shuffle. Mike Tuckman was supposed to be uh, Yastrzemski's replacement while he was hurt. Now is playing every single day, uh, plays every outfield position uh, is uh, was, has been leading off every single game for these giants. Um, that's a guy that probably needs to be rostered. Uh, I know he hasn't been super hot. His stats aren't super, super uh, impressive right now. But I'm telling you, this is the kind of guy that's going to be, over the summer, um, putting up some good numbers. I My only hesitation on Talkman uh, is that he's going to get a bad case of Brandon Belt disease and that he is a lefty that hits in San Francisco. Yeah, he's going to put some in McCovey Cove. You'll see it, it takes a lot of power to put some in McCovey Cove. I've, I've said it a million times. If Brandon Belt was hit anywhere else, he would have hit 30 homers several times in his career, and he'd be looked at very differently from where he is now. Ethan, I'm guessing you have a similar opinion of Talkman? Um, I like Talkman. I was going to give a pitcher for my all-star, try and, and vary it up a little bit. Um but I and Max, you've known this for 
for years now. Like I'm a guy that when I stream somebody, if they have a really good start, I'm like MJ's dad in the opening scene of Space Jam. I'm like, shoot till you miss, son. And I'll keep you, if even if I streamed you, like unless it's like I need to make a move on Sunday to try and win, like I'll usually be like, cool, I'll let you have another game with me, see if you're just in for like a hot four or five starts and I can ride that whole wave and then cut you in six weeks or whatever. So in that spirit, my guy's Tyler Anderson. I'm not saying I think Tyler Anderson is going to end the year as a young candidate. I am saying that I think he is too good so far this year to not to still be getting dropped between starts in my opinion and i have i don't have any fucking recollection of who dropped him but it was andrew and what's funny about this is you know we have we have our our little three-person text and we saw each other this past weekend he said out loud when we saw each other in person on Friday, what do you guys oh, think of Tyler Anderson? What do, you guys, what do you guys think of Tyler Anderson? Do you guys like Tyler Anderson? Or is he somebody I dropped to do? And I can't remember what he was trying to do. And I, we were joking like Tyler Anderson, he pitched for this team. Like we couldn't figure out who he pitched for and he had pitched for the Rockies before. And he ended up dropping him. And now he is your waiver wire all-star. I just... I just want to be a fly on the wall watching Andrew listen to this podcast. Right now. I barely even remember having that conversation. We, I was very drunk on Friday. Well, yeah, we were really drunk on Friday. Um, no, but, I mean, he's good. Three three straight quality starts. Um, he has a 305 ERA, yeah. and his FIP is 313. And for his career, um, which he had an awful 2019, he only made five starts, and he had an ERA north of 11. But for his career, he generally has a four or five ERA or under, and it's generally very close to his FIP. So he's not somebody who, if anything, he's probably been hurt a little bit by playing two thirds of his career to date in Colorado and more so than he has been like lifted up by any sort of defensive help throughout his career. I mean, Pittsburgh, I don't know how long they will even be like frisky, um, you know, and, and, because I just feel like it it's I feel like it's tough to keep giving that effort in August when you're when you're fading hard. But right now I would definitely keep him for like at least one more start. Um so yeah, he's my he's my guy. And yeah. Andrew, sorry, dude. Did we tell Andrew to drop him? We were making fun of him, but I don't think we told him to drop him. I told him I'd be comfortable dropping him, I think. And then I think after that, he made a good start. I could be wrong. Um, What's fucked up is I drank, I got drunk on Andrew's beer that night. Now I'm saying this. So I feel yeah. like I need to send Andrew as soon as we're done recording. Just solid gold for Andrew. And he comes off waivers May 13th. This podcast should be live for May 12th. So everybody but Andrew, go out there and scoop him up. He's available. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, sorry. Oh, yeah, um, he's constantly sitting in that strikeout range five to seven. I mean, that's pretty good for a streaming quality or a streaming pitcher. Yeah, no, he's looked good. I think if anything, people just haven't looked his way because he's on the Pirates, um, which means he shouldn't get a bunch of wins. But so far, he's done OK in that category. So I agree. He should probably be rostered and suck at Andrew. Um, <laughs> sorry, dude. So. In our other podcasts, uh, specifically the basketball podcast, we do a lot of trivia, which uh, we've been told people enjoy. So for our podcast, uh, we're going to give something called Fun with Fangraphs a shot. And this week, it's going to be the Underperforming Hitters Edition. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you 
basically a statistic or, or a, a number of statistics from fan graphs and try and have you identify the players. Now, I'm going to give you the, the stats that we're looking at, and then we'll talk about our matchups. So you guys can think about, you know, okay, who, who fits this description? And then after we're done with the matchups, I'm going to ask, well, I would ask Huck and Ethan uh, for answers on this, but Ethan uh, cheated before the- Yeah, that's my bad. It's so the, the question you guys will come to find is like a statistical prompt in fan in fan graphs. I'm constantly making custom tables in fan graphs because I, I unless it's during the workday, which if my boss ever listens to this, I never get on fan graphs during the workday. But unless it's during the workday, I'm stoned 100% of the time that I'm on fan graphs. So <laughs> I am constantly making custom tables to simplify things for my high brain. So anyway, I made a custom table around Max's prompt thinking it would be so many players to sort through and I could just see if one or two floated to the top, get a couple right answers on the podcast. Well, the fan grabs, uh made it, what a great service. They made it easier for me than I thought. So now I, I, I know the answer. So that's my bad. I'll do better. The, I don't know. I'm not going to be on every week by any stretch, but whenever again, I'm on this season, I'll do better. So Huck, who's not a big fan graphs subscriber. Not um, at all. He I'm in the be, dark on this. He'll be doing this alone. So the prompt is there are five hitters in Major League Baseball that currently have a BABIP under 300, which is generally the standard for used for BABIP, um, batting average on balls in play. So they have a BABIP under 300, a line drive percentage over 20%, and a hard hit percentage over 40%. So they're hitting a lot of line drives. They're hitting the ball hard, but their BABIP is still below average. So they've just been underperforming. And so theoretically, they should perform much better as the season goes on. If you're a believer in the law of averages, all five of these players are rostered. Um, You'll get five guesses after we talk about the matchups. And just for context on line drive percentage, hard hit percentage, um, Any hard hit ball, the hard hit percentage is any ball hit over 95 miles per hour. That's it. Very simple. Um, And so BABIP for line drives for the past three seasons was 650. And BABIP on hard hit balls, 95 mile an hour plus, was 450. So on average, if you hit the ball hard every single time and it was in play, you would bat 450 in any given season. Um, So that's the prompt. There are five guys that fit that description and they have been underperforming to date. Huck, think about that while we are going through these matchups. Okay. Yeah. I will think about it. Okay, good. Think hard. And if you're listening and you feel like playing some trivia, you can think hard too. The first matchup we're going to talk about is a barn burner, a cross division matchup. It's Camacho, who's four and one, Chase versus Brad. Who's 0-4-1, um, which is just a stellar season so far by Brad, representing the Arthur Rhodes division well. Uh, Huck, what do you think about this matchup? So what was in- what's interesting, what's mind-blowing to me week after week is that Brad's team is so good at pitching on paper. Um, and to the, to the naked eye, Brad's pitching is disgusting. Um, he's picked up a lot of these people off of 
the waiver wire. We're talking about Bumgarner, who was not drafted. Uh, I'm pretty sure Peralta, who's actually playing very well. Oh, that was his last pick. He drafted Peralta in the 22nd round. 22nd round. One of his best picks. Yeah, he's doing great. Having a great year. Having a great game tonight. Um, Kikuchi is god awful. I mean, he's one of he's like J. Hap 2.0 for me. Um, every time he come hits the mound, I definitely bet against him. Just like tonight uh, with the Dodgers. Um, Brad Keller, who is a walk machine, uh, you know, I'm not going to go through Brad's whole team. Just saying, um, it doesn't look good on paper. Yet he is what second in the league in pitching, or third, yeah. something he's like got, that. He's got good pitching though. Like, like, say what you want he's about first them. in pitching, Roto. Christian first Hopkins, in pitching, Roto. Wow, I'm, I had been first. Now I'm second. He's but got, I beat Brad. Fuck you. He's got three elite <laughs> closers, okay, and he drafted early to make sure that he had elite relief pitching. Yeah, I mean, okay, so, so yeah, no, uh, his the, what Brad has been known for in this league. I mean, he has two championships. What Brad's been known for in this league is his hitting, and the fact that he's had these hitters for so long: the Goldschmidt's, uh, the Lindors, the Harpers. Th- these people have been on his team since. The beginning of this league. I mean, we have he's he's had him for years and years and years. Um, they're all fairly underperforming. Um, we've seen it thus far. That and the fact that he's filling in with some below average, you know, players thus far, uh, it hasn't really helped his case. But but I feel like if Brad's pitching can hold up, um, and his hitting starts to come around, I mean. Bryce Harper and Goldschmidt and and he, I mean he's filling in with some some decent players, a lot of them Philadelphia Phillies. Um, then Brad can win this matchup. I, he's up eleven to one right now. He's got some some tough stats for the first two days. Um, I'm going to say Brad pulls out his first win of the year in a very close one with Chase, maybe seven six eight six something like that. Okay, Ethan, what do you think of this matchup? I, as we're recording this on Tuesday night, Brad is actually up 11 to one. So kudos to him, but I do think this will come back and win. I think, um, you know, he started the week nine for 45 offensively. And so he's losing, he has a triple. And so he's winning that, but he's otherwise losing all his offensive categories. And I obviously think that will change. And so even regardless of pitching, I feel like Chase is going to come back and win. Um, you know, we talked about Brad's team a lot just there. We talked about Chase's team a lot at the start. Um, so I don't want to um, beat a dead horse on any of that. I just, I think Chase's team is going to finish the week batting much higher than the 200 average they've posted through a night and a half. And so um, give me Chase to move to five and one. And um, and that's that. Brad stays winless. Ooh, to Ethan, that's crazy. <laughs> I, uh, so I'm going to disagree with you, Ethan. I think Brad takes this one. I'm going to continue my basketball league tradition against Chase every week. Um, it's, it's exclusively because I just think Chase has abysmal pitching right now. Um, I mean, the, the Huascar, you know, um, can have a good start. Uh, he got a quality start out of Yavaldi tonight, which is great. Um, Jonathan Lasagna gave him two good, uh, 
two good innings pitched out of the pen tonight. But ultimately, Brad's hitting has underperformed so far. I think Brad should win most pitching categories with the roster that he has. Um, but it's hitting. I mean, Francisco Lindor is supposed to be one of the best players in the league, definitely one of the highest paid players in the league. And he's not hitting above the Mendoza line. You know, I, like uh, Sally Perez is underperforming. Andrew McCutcheon, as old as he is, hitting leadoff for the Phillies shouldn't be batting 220 something, you know, ultimately. And also, Brad just needs to drop Dylan Moore, who is not a good hitter. Drop Dylan Moore and pick up uh, Tyler O'Neill. Huh? That, that's what he needs to do. Um, or maybe take Chris Davis off of the injured list because he's off the injured list. Uh, do either of those things. I know but, we're trying to make this quick, but uh, do not drop Dylan Moore. Whatever you do, do not drop Dylan Moore. If you if you listen to this, Brad, do not, I repeat, drop Dylan Moore. Trade right, so him trade, to me before trade Dylan you... Trade Dylan Moore to Huck. He wants, he wants those sweet, sweet stats from Dylan. Um, I, Huck, yeah, so trade Dylan Moore to Huck and then and then do whatever you're gonna. Brad do. won't listen to this in the month of May. He'll That's listen true. to I, I don't know who which episodes to. once in six weeks from now. Either way, <laughs> either way, I'm picking Brad. Let's move on to the next matchup. Um, it is Carrasco Misuevos SC versus in play runs. Uh, another cross division matchup. We got Victor versus Sutton. Ethan, what do you think? Sutton, do it for Arthur Rhodes, baby. Um, I'm picking Kevin um, in large part because of, of Arthur Rhodes' pride, but actually I don't really care that much about it. It's more so I think Sutton has very good pitching. I think Sutton has taken some hard luck losses that make his, you know, you're the old Bill Parcells, you're as good as your record says you are, but um, in terms of predicting for the next week, I think Huck's or I think Sutton's Huck, I think Sutton's record is deceiving for how quality his team actually is. Um, he's down seven to three as we are recording this right now. So um, it's going to be a darling comeback story. Actually, both he and Victor, as we're recording this, are still hitting over 300 in this early week. So um I'm taking Victor to fade more than uh, Sutton uh, for the rest of this matchup in play runs to win. I'm going to disagree with you again. Okay, you. I'm I'm going to pick Victor, which again, if we're following basketball podcast rules, that's what I do. I pick Victor. You want um, yeah, Victor and Paul. I actually pick against Victor a lot. He's my right. frenemy for no reason. Absolutely. Just <laughs> arbitrarily. Um, it's nothing against Sutton's team. I think it, uh, I think Sutton's got a great team. And now he's got Captain Jack Flaherty, who's fantastic. He's yeah. got Matthew Boyd, who's fantastic. Um, Tyler Glasnow is like one of the stories of the season right now. Lance Just looks Lynn. absolutely incredible. Um, but I think Victor's got better and more importantly, more balanced hitting. I don't think anybody in the league has found production from more random places thus far this season than Victor. I understand he's 0-3-2, um, but statistically – his team is not is not a, a winless team, or at least it shouldn't be a winless team. You know, he picked up Jesus Aguilar, who is hitting homers, hitting for average, hitting for OPS. Um, Rymel Tapia, big, big head, big hat. You know, somebody who we <laughs> mainly just joke about is batting over 300, four homers, three steals. Um, fantastic. 
He's getting production out of Desclafani, Sandy Alcantara, who I, I drafted last year, who was fine, but is, is nobody special. Danny Duffy has a he one. He is somebody ERA. special, but but I'll talk about that. Oh, Steven Matz, um, who's striking out nine per nine and uh, honestly has been a little unlucky with his ERA. Like he's just getting production out of guys that don't, that none of us really thought would matter. Uh, from a keeper perspective, I still think like what some of what Victor has on his roster is just a bunch of hot garbage. Um, but they're getting it done, you know, like he's doing all this while Aaron Judge bats 245. So I'm well, he's gonna, 0 and three. You say getting it done, it's 0 and three and two. Oh three and two. Okay. Yeah. He tied twice. He's getting those ties. Yeah. I'm picking Sam Crawford in this one. Um, and I'm gonna go with Victor. Huck, what do you think? I'm gonna go with Victor as well. And he, what's funny, and I, I'll try to be quick with this, but if you look at the pandemic year, it's such an interesting year. And I know uh, Chuck won, but you know you have two of the. I think these guys were top four, correct? Um, and now they're uh, less than a year later. I mean, we're talking like three or four months later after a draft, um, or when the draft happened, looking like this combined. Uh, oh six and or one six and three, so uh, you know maybe things are uh, nature is healing and the, <laughs> we can see the pandemic is coming to a close and these guys have returned to normalcy. But I will agree with you. I do think that Victor has some promise. Um, I do think that uh, if he has Jazz Chisholm playing short instead of J.P. Crawford, who to me is just somebody that should be a free agent. I, I think J.P. Crawford. There's a reason that Philly uh, dealt him for pretty much nothing to uh, the Mariners. Um, he's, I know he's been batting leadoff a little bit. He's just not that great of a hitter. Um, if you look at him daily, he's constantly $7, which is as cheap as you can get, and there's a reason for that. Um, the, if he plays Jazz there, this is a fine lineup. I think it's a, it's a good lineup. Um, but Sandy Alcantara, I will say, is one of those pitchers. You know, there's a there's – a, a short list of pitchers that I want on my team because they uh, keep that low ERA, low whip. Uh, and I think Sandy is one of those guys. I know he only has 48 strikeouts, 49 innings, so he doesn't miss a ton of bats. But he's been really good for a team that uh, that really, you know, uh, takes care of their pitching. So I think that with Montgomery, Alcantara, a – I don't want to say decent bullpen, a bullpen uh, that Victor has <laughs> that he can – he can take this week, um, especially with Minter coming in, and he just imploded today. So while we're watching this, uh, Minter just gave up like three or four runs uh, to blow the game against. I think there's still people on base, so it could rise even more uh, against the Blue Jays. So disappointing for Sutton, but I, I'm going to take Victor in this one. Okay. I still take Sutton in, and I'm happy that that happened to the Braves. <laughs> <laughs> All right, next matchup is an Arthur Rhodes special. Dukes of Flatbush, our reigning champion, versus the Never Nudes. It's father versus son. Um, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start off, and I am going to pick Dad, our reigning champion. Um, I just beat him last week. I gave him his first loss of the season. You know, I, I showed him who's boss, showed him what's what, uh, got myself my – you know, second win of the season. It was pr- pretty fantastic, if I do say so myself. Um, but we've said it before. John doesn't have a bench. John has outstanding pitching. And for all I know, I mean, he he should be able to beat Dad in the in the 
ERA and whip and hell he could win wins and quality starts too, but he's still going up against uh, Garrett Cole, Corey Kluber, who all of a sudden knows how to pitch again. Uh, Chris Paddock, Coben Burns is on COVID-19 list, but he still matters uh, if he's able to come back later this week. Kyle Hendricks and Alex Reyes, who's been a surprise, like top three closer in the league. Um, So I don't think John's going to be able to dominate pitching in this one. And I think he's going to just get destroyed in hitting counting stats this week, primarily because there's some big surprises coming from dad's team. Uh, The biggest one being Adolis Garcia. I would love to trade for Adolis Garcia. So dad, if you're tired of him, uh, I'll take him. I'll trade for him right now. He looks absolutely incredible. He looks like the find of the season for the Rangers. And if I'm Andrew or Sutton, that is the number one thing I'm excited about with the Rangers season is the discovery of Adolis Garcia and maybe the, uh, you know, the value of, of Isaiah Kiner falafel um, at short. So I am going to pick, Dukes of Flatbush. Huck, what do you think? So I, w- I want to say about Adoles Garcia, um, I, I believe we've had this conversation uh, earlier this year when you were asking uh, for, oh God, what was it? Um, uh, Ian Happ. You wanted Ian Happ. And let me just read this little conversation. I, I said, uh, I'm, I'm a little looser on Happ. I'm ready to drop somebody. I need an open spot because I'm going to go pick up that Texas behemoth. Heraldus <laughs> Garcia was the guy I was talking about. The guy looks like a Jordan, uh, a right-handed Jordan for the for the Rangers. So, yes, he is playing good ball, and he is a mountain of a man. If you see him up there, uh, his shirt really doesn't fit his biceps. Um, it's He looks like he's going to explode uh, out of his uniform. So... Uh, that is a good pickup, but I will say that uh, looking at this lineup, uh, you know, I I look at fancy baseball every day. I I you know, to John's uh, dismay, I see every different transaction that goes on. Uh, you know, I check it, you know, once in the morning, once in the afternoon, just glance at it. I'd never seen Dom Nunez. I have no idea who that is, the catcher for Colorado. Um, who is, who is, I, I guess, playing for the Dukes of Flatbush now. Um, but he is 12% owned. So uh, obviously some people um, think that that's okay to have red X's at the catcher position every once in a while. Hey, he's got two triples, okay? Yay. Yay. I love two triples. Uh, when you catch your triples, catch your stolen bases, I know all about that with some falafel. But anyway, um, yeah, it's, it's going to be really hard to beat Dukes of Flatbush uh, with this offense uh, week after week. And uh, Garcia is only going to help that. Uh, I think w- as far as pitching is concerned, uh, Hendricks has had not a very good season, um, but he, he's due for some, some uh, uh, you know, better starts uh, coming up. I, I think that, the, like I said, it's going to be really hard to beat. John's team is just not playing 100%. Um, he... he I don't know if he's throwing it this year again until he can get all these NAs. I don't know what the end result is going to be just to have a team, uh, you know, one through eight in your, your keepers that you keep year after year who are all the same age. Is that what he wants? 21 year olds to keep them all until they're 35. So he can have 14 years of dominance. I don't know what it is, but, 
but right now it's really not working for him uh, in, in the meantime. And so I think he's going to lose this one. I think he's going to lose this one pretty hard. Um, so, oh, and a, a hold from Coonrod. Uh, I see that Coonrod got a hold. So good for Dukes. The Coonrod. Uh, the Coonrod, yeah. Ethan, what do you think of this matchup? Ethan, can you hear me? Did we? Did he leave another note? No, I see his face. Oh, my gosh! Maybe he's on mute. Maybe his microphone's out. I don't know. Oh yeah, yeah. We found can. him. Leaving all I that. Think in. I'm on the same mic that I was using. All right. Well, welcome. I wasn't. Back. I wasn't muted in the Zoom. Talk to the us about the matchup. Yeah. Yeah. Well, sorry, listeners. I I'm dropping the ball on this podcast. <laughs> I'm. Picking tough, but it's not really a it's not really a pick against John. I do, I guess it is in in that I do think John is uh is probably rostering too many NAs and compromising too much depth and like ability to make moves within the week to beat Chuck, who's just such a complete team. Um, and to some of the points you guys have already cited is is very savvy on making those waiver moves that will give him a boost for a month or even through the end of the year. I just think his team is so complete. His offense has already been so good. And Reese Hoskins has been shit and Marcelo Zuna has been shit. And he's, I mean, I know he has trout, but like some of his horses have not even been horses and his offense has been very complete. So it's just tough for me to uh, pick against that. Um, so yeah, give me Chuck. Sorry about my mic. Okay, good. Great, grand. We're moving on to the next one. Another cross-division matchup. We've got the trading block, Chris, who hasn't been very tradesy so far this year. He's three and two versus Tim's for my hooligans, SC Matt, our new associate commissioner, who's four that's, and one. That's not his real name. Uh, the trading block's not his real name. Oh, yeah. Now it's Houston with an emoji with a, with a cat. I think tiger? it's a tiger. Okay. So uh, if you're not from Houston, there's some news that there is a tiger that has escaped and it's loose in the city of Houston. Okay. So, oh, yeah. I saw that on Twitter. So he's now the Houston tiger emoji, which is so much worse. Um, either way, Huck, what do you think of this matchup? Uh, so I think that before the season, I said that Chris's team was the best setup uh it's kind of changed a little bit i think losing with the trades that he's made and then losing luis robert uh to injury and uh brian hayes to injury um and not getting the people up that he's you know i know he has uh you know julio rodriguez jason dominguez etc abrams really good farm system his team just doesn't i, I think he gave up so much for acuna um, that is kind of lacking in other areas. Um, I, I really think that on the other side with Matt, um, his team is 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 thriving. Uh, he's got some some players who are really reaching their peak at their time. I mean, uh, Baby Vlad had a home run tonight, a three run jack, put them in the lead. Uh, Xander Bogarts having a great year, just like Xander Bogarts always does. Probably the one of the most underrated hitters in the league um, should be a perennial all-star every single year. Uh, and, and on the pitching side, uh, Bieber looked very Bieberish tonight, which he hasn't had in a while. So um, yeah, I'm going to take Matt in this. 
I think that he wins and goes five and one uh, for the division, and uh, and it's not going to be particularly close. Okay, Ethan, what do you think of this matchup? Um, well, first of all, Shane Bieber's gotten a quality start in at least his last one, two, three, four, five, six, seven consecutive starts. That's back to April first. So I think he's been very Bieberish all year. I don't think okay, he's but, made a start this year that hasn't been at least six innings, three earned or fewer. I get it, but Bieber, if we're comparing Bieber to Degrom, I mean, I'm not comparing Bieber to Degrom. You just said Bieber <laughs> hasn't been very Bieberish, and I would last year politely, Bieber was what Degrom is this year. I would politely, I would say, 100% quality start rate is is of high value. Yes, tonight he had only eight Ks and three walks. I'm not saying he sucks. He's just got a 2.980 ERA and above a one WHIP. That's not what Bieber was last year. Uh, That's anyway. <laughs> I think I'm taking Tim's. I do think um, I thought Chris at first was sort of in a John type of state where I'm like, this could have payoff, but for this year or even you know just one week in a vacuum, these NAs could work against you, like depth wise. But it's clearly made it work. I have a tremendous. Uh, amount of, of respect for his like maneuvering week to week. Um, he beat me nine to seven a couple weeks ago. So I have to obviously tip my cap to that, but I am taking Matt because I just think he has a very deep offense. Um, I, you know, he's got a two start week from Bieber this week. I do think Matt's bullpen can sometimes be a red flag. You know, there's definite inconsistency in there with some of his relievers. And so, um, that can undermine his, that can always undermine some good starts of his, but I do think he, um, has a deeper team and Chris's ace. I don't know if it's his ace, but one of his aces, Patrick Corbin, um, has really frustrated me this year. And I'm sure he's frustrated Chris as well. So that's a little <laughs> mini naps rant in there, but give me Tim's foe, my hooligans SC. So I, I can't believe that I have to be the person that picks the Arthur Rhodes team in a cross division matchup, but I'm going to pick Chris. Um, I like, I always think Matt's team is good. I will pick Matt most of the time this season, but I really like Chris's team. I really like what he's got going on this season. And I, he's three and two. I'm surprised he's not four and one or five and oh, um, the trade for Acuna. I agree. He gave up a lot, but Acuna is undoubtedly the best player in baseball this year. Definitely best player in uh, fantasy. OPS over a thousand with six steals, uh, but he's he's worth the price of admission. Chris is also getting a great season out of Carlson, and I love Nick Madrigal. If you look at Nick Madrigal's Fangraphs page, it's just unreal how he's able to make contact. I, he I can't remember the stat exactly, but it's basically if somebody throws the ball in the zone and he swings at it, he hits it. The guy's not going to strike out. He's going to bat over 300 for the foreseeable future. He's doing it right now, and he's technically still a rookie. So from a second-base batting average perspective, that's huge for fantasy. Um, so I, I think he's going to do well with hitting, and from a pitching standpoint, he's got two Rodgerses that I care a lot about. Uh, Tyler Rogers for San Francisco, who has 10 holds and an ERA under one, and Trevor Rogers, who might have been the best late round pick in this past year's draft uh miami pitcher uh he has an era of 189 right now four wins 50 strikeouts in 38 innings and he's got a pretty low whip 
Um, he looks legitimate. If anything, he's he's going to hurt from a quality start standpoint, I think, as the year goes on, because Miami's going to want to limit how many innings he, he's pitching. I think they're going to keep him around five innings, maybe five. He's going to be a five and two-thirds victim a lot of the time, mostly because he just he throws a lot of pitches. He strikes a lot of guys out. He's still fantastic. Um, on top of that, Savali has been great. He's uh, wasn't somebody I cared a lot for early in the season. I think I talked about that before our uh, in our pre-draft podcast, but he's pitching great right now. Patrick Corbin can probably be dropped with his 7.36 ERA. Um, but aside from that, I mean, Chris has a solid stable of pitchers somehow while still rostering two Pittsburgh relievers. Uh, so I, I think he gets the win this week, and I think his season starts looking up a little bit more moving forward that is my pick in this matchup um the next matchup paul goldschmidt's gay tony versus rum ham sc which is obviously trevor another cross division matchup ethan what do you think that time i was muted there we go that time i was muted um (laughs) give me um Tony in this matchup, got a rep for Arthur Rhodes. I feel terrible already picking a Sam Crawford last matchup. Um, give me Tony. Tony's an, an owner who is like a consistent playoff threat, always I feel like has one of the most talented teams. It's very weird to see him where he is in the standings um, right now. But, um, but looking at his team, it does not look like the, um, you know, the – the mega teams he's had in the past, Rendon has been out. Um, you know, Chris Bryant is um, is playing fine. Well, he's playing better than fine, to be honest, but he's not really playing in an offense that's playing so well. Um, he's just – it's interesting. It feels like his horses are, are still playing, but he's just not getting the offensive production that he's used to, or maybe at least that's what the – optics on it seem like to me um i think he's also been the victim of some very tough close losses so i think he's a, a better team than his record says and he's in the best division in the league so give me tony okay i am gonna disagree with you um again and i'm gonna pick the same stupid Crawford bitch <laughs> yeah well, listen i'm gonna pick the sam crawford team as people usually should because we're the superior division uh Trevor's got a fantastic team. Offensively, his team is terrifying. Um, if you look at the at the Roto numbers, I think he's one of the few teams that has any category over 100. I know Chase has got an absurd 123 on offense, but we've talked about his pitching already. Uh, Trevor's offense is, is just fantastic. You know, Giancarlo, if he stays healthy, is going to put up insane numbers this year. So you pair that with the fact that even without Bellinger, even with an injured Eloy, he's still, Donaldson is hitting the shit out of the ball. Uh, Bo Bichette and Trevor Story might both be top five shortstops. I'm not sure what he would trade either one of them for, but I like, it is a luxury to have two top five shortstops on your roster. Um, Jose Abreu, MVP last year, looking like he could potentially do it again this year. And then from a pitching standpoint, you know, Walker Bueller has not lived up to what he usually does, but I do like Ian Anderson. I like Alex Wood. 
Uh, JT Brubaker, who he traded for today, got him a win. I just, in general, I like Trevor's team better than Tony's. And, and that's not to say I don't like Tony's team. I think, like Matt, I'll pick Tony more often than not. Um, he did leave an Austin Hayes triple on his bench today, so that's got to hurt. Uh, but, yeah, I'm, I'm picking Trevor in this one. Huck, what do you think? Uh, I'm going to agree with you, and I'm going to take Trevor. And and mostly because, and I talked to Tony because I faced Tony last week. Um, the big thing is that Tony's been he, – he told me, hey, I'm third in whip. I'm third in ERA. I'm I'm holding a type chip. He's got just starting pitchers. He has no bullpen. Okay, this is a strategy that's beyond me. I don't know how this is sustainable, but it is. He's been, um, doing, it he's been doing it for years, and he's been successful or semi-successful for most years. I mean, Kershaw, Ryu. Uh, I love Chris Bassett. Love me some Chris Bassett. Uh, Rodon's having a pretty good year. Dylan Cease, obviously. Um, he'll get Sale back. He has Syndergaard. These are all really, really good pitchers. But even on if you have a bunch of DeGroms and a bunch of Biebers and a bunch of Kershaws, from week to week, if you have that many starting pitchers, it's really hard to keep a tight ship as far as walks, um, ERA, and whip. It just is. So you're, you've got to get those wins. You've got to get those quality starts, which he will every week, and you got to get those strikeouts um, because you're pretty much – and if that's the, what you're guaranteed – then you're hoping that you're you're holding down that at least one of the whip or ERA. Um, it's really hard to do this. He's done it decently so far this season, um, but uh, but yeah, it's 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 not been totally 100% successful on offense. His team is so much better offensively than they've been playing so far this year. Uh, like I said, Rendon's been out. Uh, Yastrzemski was out for a little bit. Um, and he's missed time with some other people here and there. Um, from top to bottom, they're a lot better hitting than they than they have shown. Uh, but Trevor's team is playing out of their mind, and um, and they on paper they are very very good. I haven't agreed with every one of Trevor's moves that he's made thus far, um, but they're working for him. And as long as they're working for him, you can't really talk shit. So uh, yeah, I'm going to take Trevor in this one, and uh, I don't think it'll be particularly close. Okay. All right, moving on to the next matchup, a matchup I'm very interested in. The Disabled List, SC, versus Oscar Snubs. Uh, So this is going to be my fifth Sam Crawford matchup. The schedule's been really rough so far. I am 1-0 against Arthur Rhodes so far. Uh, Won my game last week. And this week, I have to go right back up against the Sam Crawford buzzsaw. That being said, I'm picking myself to win. Um... And it's primarily, it's not that complicated. Tatis Jr. got put on the COVID-19 list, and I think my team's bouncing back. That's it. Uh, like, my, the matchup's looking really good for me right now. Uh, I'm in line for an Alvarado hold. It looks like I'm in, in line for a Garrett Crochet win, and I might be in for a Trevor May win. Um, and three homers tonight. It's I'm, I'm putting up some crazy numbers tonight. So I'm picking myself to win by a landslide. Uh, just cutting through breezes like I do. Um, Huck, what do you think? Me versus Levi. I don't think you're waiting on a Trevor May win. It's not coming. Um, I think that he wasn't the pitcher of of record in that one, was he? Was he pitching in the ninth? Because they did just win that game on a walk-off. Damn it. He was pitching in the eighth. Okay. Yeah. Well, fine. Whatever. 
Um, Didn't need it anyways. I will say, though, Alvarado just had an amazing at bat against Trey Turner. Uh, Trey Turner, he Alvarado's throwing 102. Okay, so he was just chunking 102, 101 fastball or sinker after sinker after sinker after sinker. Uh, and uh, Trey Turner fouled like seven of them off in a row and then took the walk. They are down 6 2, so it's kind of irrelevant, but it was a cool at bat. Um, as far as this uh, matchup's concerned, Levi lost to Tease Jr. for the week, which is rough. Um, but I will say that I do like the trade he made, uh, Kevin Biggio, for Brubaker. Um, I think Brubaker is somebody that like, is a, is, has done decently throughout the year. And, um, and you know, he could be somebody that, that factors into the summer's worth of, of fantasy stardom. But Kevin Biggio is a guy in the seventh round, a seventh round pick that can fill up most stat categories. And I think he's going to play better than he has uh, thus far. So good on that trade, but uh, I'm, I'm taking Max to win here. I think that even though uh, Levi's team has shown pretty good thus far, he's really slanted downward in the last two weeks, really shown that he is human and that his team offensively isn't as good as we think it might be. Um, Max has a good lead right now in batting average, uh, home runs, RBIs. Uh, I, I think that uh, Max is going to take this pretty handily and and even up the score in our division between him and Levi. Love it, Ethan. What do you think? So I think uh, I really would feel so much better getting off this podcast picking against you, but I think I have to. Pig Max on this one. I mean, we've it. It's been said now the Tatis absence this week, um, but I do think that Max's offense is trending upward. Um, I mean, shit. It, he's um, he's gonna get. You know, he's gonna continue to get production from some of these all-star caliber players: Mookie Betts, Freeman, etc. Um, I think the big edge because Levi has. Roto-wise, the best offense in the league. That's, of course, now going to be missing Tatis for the second stint this year. Um, but he has very, very mediocre pitching. Um, I think Max has um, found a sweet spot with his pitching, especially now adding Charlie Morton. Um, Robbie Ray, 10Ks in one walk, just makes me so fucking mad. Like, I, I can't believe that he's throwing strikes now. Like, fuck this. But... It's going to help Max this week. So I do, I think um, Levi without Tatis and having a, a strong disadvantage, in my opinion, pitching wise, um, tilts the balance to Ma- in Max's favor. I love it. I love it. Good ideas, guys. Yeah. Uh, smart choices across the board. Moving on to the next matchup Joe DeMamios versus Shalom Y'all. It's Andrew versus Ethan. Uh, an Arthur Rhodes just clash of the uh, teams in the division. I, I was going to say Titans, but, you know, I'm looking at their stats tonight and their records thus far. They they are teams. They're in that division. Huck, what do you think? Who's going to win this one? So at the beginning of the year, Andrew had just an awful stretch. I mean, it's just disgusting. And uh, 
I, he's played a lot better since then. I know he's mixing up trades. He's sending me trades, which, you know, keep it coming. Even if I reject him straight off or just ignore you, keep him coming. I love it. Um, if I ignore you. Yeah, yeah, even if I completely ignore you, continue to carry all of the burden in the off oh, chance that I might like one of these deals. <laughs> I think he, I think he was bragging that he, uh, that uh, Glaber Torres hit his first home run. Andrew, don't uh, for, think for a second I didn't see that. I just don't care. Uh, it, just a little background. Andrew bet me that uh, Glaber Torres would hit 30, 30 home runs this year, fifty dollars. Um, and if he doesn't, you know, obviously that 50 bucks coming my way and he just hit his first in May, uh, May 10th to be exact. So congratulations to him. Um, but I will say, uh, Andrew's team, like I said, has been playing a lot better, uh, hitting a lot better. Um, he's been making a lot of trades on the pitching side. Uh, Singer had a very bad outing for him today, but on the other end, John means looks like he is the real deal. Um, pitch tonight. Uh, pretty good. Kept him in the game, even though they ended up losing in the end. I'm going to take Joe DiMamio's in this one. I know they're behind right now. They've had a, you know, a slow start, but uh, on nothing against Ethan on the other side, good team. Uh, I just think that uh, Joe DiMamio's is going to heat up just like they have been for the last few weeks. Oh boy. Okay. Um, Huck is taking Andrew Ethan. What do you think is going to happen this week? You versus Andrew. I mean, I'm I'm taking myself because you got to have self confidence. You got to have self belief. So I'm taking myself. Um, both of us have had very bad offenses to date this season. Um, since trading and the trade was it was not the simple, but based, since trading a package built around um, Solaire and Morton for a package built around Michael Brantley. Brantley has gone three for eight for me with a double and two RBIs and a run scored, which is like, is just a, a fucking grenade launcher compared to what most of my offense has been this year. <laughs> um, so we both have bad offenses. I had the number one pitching roto now it's second to um, Brad and Tony. So I guess it's third, but they're tied for first, those two Brad and Tony. So I believe in my pitching. Um, and you know, I, I think that is going to give me an edge this week, but I think Andrew and I have very similarly constructed teams. I think we have similar strengths. We have similar weaknesses and, or his team has two no hitters in the same week again, then I won't feel as confident about that prediction, but otherwise I do like my pitching. Fair enough. Um, I am also going to pick you, Ethan. And this is a tough one for me because I think both you and Andrew have just suffered some underperformance from, from your hitting so far. Your Both of your teams are much better than they've hit. And I think a lot of teams are going through this exact same thing right now. It's just exactly what we were talking about earlier. It could be COVID. It could be whatever. But batting averages are low across the league. I mean, Andrew is uh, – 7 of 42 in the matchup right now. You are 12 of 55. Your team's batting 218, and which is a commanding lead in batting. I'm winning by 50 points in batting average. I'm hitting 218. Yeah, that's On a you. Tuesday. Uh, yeah, small sample size. Understand. Totally understand, but it's 55 at-bats and 42 at-bats. It's still sure. – it's, it's not nothing. Um, but 
I love what Nick Castellanos is doing this year. It's so fun to watch. And he looks like everything looks real. Um, I think Eugenio is going to start performing a little bit better than he has. Same goes for Yohan Moncada. I love that you've got Brantley. Uh, Simeon has also been just fantastic. Looks a lot more like he did in 2019 than he did in 2020. And, I, you know, Andrew's got a ton of players I love too. I, I think Glaber is going to have a, a power breakout here pretty soon. I love Nate Lowe. I talk about him a lot. I love a Rosarena. I talk about him a lot. I just think you're going to beat him in pitching this week. Um, I, I don't know what's going on with Giolito. Giolito's still missing bats, still striking people out, but he's had some really rough starts lately. I know he's coming off of a good five-inning win where he struck out two guys. Um, so it, he's not looking like a first-round value right now. He is getting another two-start week from John Means, who's defying all baseball metrics, not only with his no-hitter, but – he has a hundred percent left on base rate this year. There are zero runs that have come across the plate from guys that John means has left or let on base exclusively homers. That's it through exclusively solo homers. I mean, he's not inheriting solo. runners. Yeah. Or the, yeah, that's the thing. If a runner gets on, he doesn't score against means through seven starts. That's absurd. That's an absolutely insane, crazy number that I, I can't explain. Um, and I, I, I don't expect Dallas Keuchel to continue at his current ERA. I still expect him to mostly pitch five inning games. I think with Scherzer, Musgrove, uh, Marquez, who has underperformed, but is still good, Stroman and Hap, I think your pitching will be enough uh, to carry you through this week, even if both of you continue to underperform from a hitting perspective. So, Ethan, I'm picking you, which takes us to our last matchup. Save Ferris, Huck is 3-1-1 one, and one against Master Chief Wahoo, uh, which is Adam, who is 2-2-1. Two, two and one. And let me just double check. Adam is not flying the flag either, is he? Uh, nope. No, no. So Huck, Levi, Chase, and Adam are the only ones not flying the Sam Crawford flag in their team name, which... That's you know, half the division. Yeah, that's a lot of people. That's embarrassing. Sounds That's like really it's just you. You you should be you should show more pride. I think that's just me. But mm. um, anyways, Ethan, what do you think of this matchup? So, um, Huck's team has looked really good this year. He mentioned the falafel um, and getting that last year of catcher eligibility out of him, um, and sort of the I say this kindly, like the jank he's getting out of that, like he just got a stolen base from his catcher. Uh, I do that the old-fashioned way with JT Real Muto, but um, but in all sincerity, that is a, a savvy move um, to because it's not like you don't have the star power with people like Pete Alonso, um, you know Correa, etc. So um, and and I mean you've been at least to this point in the season somewhat vindicated. Uh, on Otani batter certainly vindicated um, after the draft when you traded Nelson Cruz. I was like. What is Huck doing? Like he drafted Otani batter. Now he has two util only guys. So he's trading Nelson Cruz just because of Otani batter, but it's looked smart so far. So um, all that to say, I think your team um, is trending better. I think you have better offense. I think you have better pitching um, though, though um, Adam has certainly made his pitching work. Um, so give me Huck um, though. I think it'll end up being a pretty close matchup. 
I picked both the hosts this week. I'm I need a few weeks off. Yeah, we got we need fresh people. In here. This is bullshit. <laughs> Though I appreciate Max you picking me back. Yeah, though that's why I did it. No um, thanks to you, Huck. Uh, Joseph, pick me back. Pick me back. <laughs> anyway, um, jokes aside, I pick Huck this week. I will also be picking Huck this week. Uh, he got a good start out of Otani tonight, which fits his five-three strategy. Um, he is, let's see, it's it's a .84 ERA that he's sitting on right now, and a .84 WHIP. Uh, with two holds and a save already, he's going to ride those averages out and win both uh, bullpen categories. He'll probably lose K's, win walks, and potentially lose quality starts. At least he should lose uh, wins, K's, and quality starts. If Adam is playing this right, he's kind of forced into that role um, because it's really tough to beat an ERA under one, which is Huck, Huck is unlikely to, he really needs, Adam needs some of Huck's bullpen guys to absolutely get blown up, which I think will single-handedly, that strategy will lose Huck weeks when he has a reliever come in, pitch a third of an inning and give up a three-run homer. Um, but based on that alone and the fact that he's got a stout offense, Pete Alonso is underperforming, but yeah, Kiner Falafel, uh, Correa, Mount Castle, who's starting to bounce back, despite the fact that he went over four tonight. Um, ben Intendi looks like a completely different person. And yeah, Huck is finally getting the as advertised version of Otani batter. Uh, so I think he beats Adam this week, which is you know kind of a shame. I, I like the roster that Adam's put together this year. He's been really difficult to trade with um for the right reasons though he's really the guys that i wanted to do i've wanted to trade him for um he really likes and he's sticking with it's not a it's not a value thing it's it's just he thinks these are the guys that are going to make him win and uh you know he's two two and one right now which in our division that's no joke so uh good for him that being said i think huck wins to go four one and one after this week huck what do you think of your matchup so I will say that um, to start the year out, I faced Master Chief Wahoo. So this is my second time around on these guys, um, and I lost. Dang. So um, the the first trade of the year, I traded away Nelson Cruz to Master Chief Wahoo, and I think he hit like three or four home runs, maybe five home runs, something like that, and just destroyed me. And uh, it was hard to come back from that. I mean, uh, my my pitching – um, you know, play decently like, like it always does, but I could not hit to save my life. Not saying that my hitting is that much better right now. There's a lot of people still underperforming. Um, I took four or five people who I thought might be have rookie of the year candidates, uh, Mountcastle, Castro, Jimenez, Dalbeck. I've all been just shit in the bed. So, um, you know, hopefully these guys come around, but, uh, you know, I, I like my team. Like I said, I'm going to win five, three pitching every week. So it's up to me to either break even on, on hitting um, or, or win a few matchups at, at, you know, at least win uh, four of the hitting categories. Um, so yeah, I, I think I'm going to win. I think that uh, I can definitely take those again. I'm having a slow start. Usually that, that happens um, to my team. So, you know, as long as the, the week plays out, the cool thing is, when you're playing the strategy, you can have a shit ton of hitters. And when you have a shit ton of hitters, um, you're going to have a shit ton of opportunities to fill in a lot of the categories. It's just going to hurt your average and OPS. It's the exact opposite of what we're doing with pitching. 
you have more hitters, more uh, visibility, more uh, people getting out there on the field. Um, yesterday, Adam had one player, Aaron Nola, and his game got postponed. So I got, I, I have 20 double as a bats right now, only three more hits and it shows in the average. Um, but you know, I'm just going to get more opportunities throughout the week just because I have those players. So, um, yeah, I'm going to take myself to win probably another eight to six or something really frustrating Adam and sending me to four to one. Okay. And one. And um, so that concludes our matchups for this week. We will, uh, this is an, an extra long podcast tonight, um, tomorrow, you know, in the morning, whatever time it is you're listening to this, we will probably get a little bit shorter as time goes on, but uh, I also don't think time is going to be much of an issue for the people that actually do listen. So finally, the last thing we'll do, let's get the answers for the fun with fan graphs, underperforming hitters edition. Now, just to remind you, we're looking for five hitters with a bad dip under 300 who have a line drive percent over 20 and a hard hit rate over 40%. All five are currently rostered on teams that we just did the matchups for. Huck, do you have any guesses? Um, My first guess is going to be Carlos Correa. Carlos Correa is incorrect. Mm. Um, If I want to go with the, the old uh, basketball good guess. Like, oh, no, that's a, that's a good guess. Good guess, dude. Yeah, oh, good thank guess. You. Thank um, you. Thank he you. does have a BABIP under 265, um, but he doesn't have a hard hit rate over 40% or a line drive rate over 20%. He's still hitting the ball pretty hard, um, and his BABIP should be over 300, theoretically, and he's not striking out as much as he ever has in his career. So, I mean – Plate discipline is there. Isolated power is there. I think better days are ahead for Correa, but he's not one of the five. You have another guess. How about Paul Goldschmidt? Paul Goldschmidt is not one of the five. Oh, okay. But it's another good guess. This Um, is hard. Paul Goldschmidt has a BABIP over 300. He's just batting 246 because he's striking out more than he ever has since his rookie year in 2011. Um, aside from that, he still doesn't have a hard hit rate over 40%. His line driver rate is sitting at 19.8. So he doesn't fit these. Um, but like I said, striking out a whole lot and walking like a third of the rate that he did last year. So something's going on with Paul Goldschmidt. Okay. How about... Reese Hoskins. Uh, Reese Hoskins is not one of the answers. Wow, man, I'm just not good at this. I mean, it's 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 oddly specific, um, but it's underperforming players. Hoskins has a 295 Babbitt with a 36% hard hit rate and a 20.9% line drive percentage. He's really close. So if anything, that is your best guess yet. Um, he just doesn't quite fit this um there's a minimum of bats here that we're talking uh it's it's qualified so i think the minimum of bats would be like 80 or 90 um it's it's a starting guy it's a guy that starts every day like i said he's currently rostered on all five of these guys are rostered on teams Mm -hmm. um reese hoskins another guy striking out way too much not walking enough and is almost exclusively a pole hitter. So he's uh, likely hitting into the shift a lot. He's getting Matt Olson a little bit this year. So you have two more guesses. 
Let's go with Joey Gallo. Joey Gallo is not one of the five guys. Dang. Um, at which I promise you, you've heard of all these guys. Joey Gallo has a BABIP of 339 this year. He's just striking out 36% of the time, which is right along with his career average. Another one of those reasons why I can't stand Joey Gallo. And I just don't, I, 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 don't, I don't get it. I don't get it. Um, he's batting 221 with a 339 BABIP. And he just, he's got a 371 on base and that's great. Uh, he, he just, he does one thing. That's, that's all he is. He's, he's Adam Dunn. Um, with a slightly better on base percentage, but well, um, he showed that he could do something a little bit different last year, uh, and and maybe a little bit the year before. Maybe he'd come out of this whole strikeout zone, and maybe he wasn't swinging for the fences so much. But he, yeah, it looks like he's just underperforming this year in all categories. I mean, six home runs is not that impressive. Seven sixty four OPS, he could do a lot better. He still struck out thirty five percent of the time last year. Yep, like yep, it's, yeah, he's he's gonna keep doing this. I mean, it is what it is. Somebody will will trade for him. Somebody might pay him a little bit too much. I, you know, I think he's much better on defense than people give him credit for. But yeah, I was I gonna say he's more athletic and better defensively than Adam Dunn. Oh, for sure. All right, Huck, I'll give you one more guess to get one okay. of these five guys. Okay, I'm gonna give you some. I'm gonna get hot right now. Freddie Freeman. Freddie Freeman is a guess. Um. So it's funny. I've got Freddie Freeman listed because he's not one of the five, but he's oh. as close as you can get. Oh. Um, he has a 193 Babbitt right now. And he has a long drive percentage over percent and his hard hit rate is 39%. And his, his Babbitt is still 193. So I've been very frustrated by that. Um, so I'm going to I'm going to go ahead and give you the five guys. You're close looking at my roster because two of them are on my roster. Um up top, we've got Ryan McMahon, who I believe is currently rostered by Levi. Uh he has a bad bip of 286 with a 23.5% line drive and an absurd hard hit rate, 46.5%. Ryan McMahon is one of those guys that should have a 350 bad bip right now, especially hitting in Colorado. Uh number 2, is another Colorado hitter, Charlie Blackman, 256 BABIP, 20% line drive rate, 43% hard hit. He's been hitting a little bit better lately, and I will not trade him to Andrew, um, which is something that's been discussed internally with, with me, Ethan, and Andrew over the past couple of weeks. Uh, number three is Luis Urias, 279 BABIP, 23% line drive rate, 42% hard hit rate. He has better days ahead as does Joey Votto, who at times this year has looked amazing. Um, he's looked like a completely new hitter. He's slumped lately. He has a 250 BABIP, despite the fact that he has a 42% hard hit rate and a 25% line drive percentage. And last is another guy on my roster, Mookie Betts, who isn't suffering as badly as other players, 292 BABIP, but he's got a 25% line drive rate and a 42% hard hit. Um, all five of those guys are underperforming and should, based on the law of averages, see a better, uh, better results as the season goes on. At least I'm hoping they do. Uh, and I'm also hoping that next week we can do a fun with fan graphs or a trivia of some sort that uh, we get a correct answer for. Yeah, make it maybe make it a little easier. All right. That was tough. Yeah, who's that was hard. Of these guys? Yeah, um, suck. <laughs> all right well that's gonna do it for us this week 
Um, if you've made it this far, thanks for listening. We're going to keep shaking it up as the season goes on. We'll have uh, different people on. If you, if you miss listening to John, I'm sure we'll be able to talk him into joining at some point. We'll get our new associate commissioner, Matt, on here at some point. Um, guys, do you have anything to say before we, we close out? Yeah, Robbie Grossman, uh, who was released um, earlier this week, I was kind of surprised by the by the release because he does bat lead off of the Tigers uh, day in, day out. Just had the game-winning hit. Um, also had five RBIs today, two for five with five RBIs. Uh, Robbie Grossman maybe needs to be rostered somewhere. Gross, man. Ethan, do you have anything? Maybe a, a player on the trade block? Um... Shit. No, I didn't come prepared to broker any trades on my outro. Um, you know, text me for trades though. I won't text you. I, I I'll study the Huck Breeze method, but you guys text me. And if I, even if I ignore you, text me, send me your offers. I'm here. Uh, don't even if- keep the text fresh. Delete the text. If you don't like <laughs> it, delete the text. In all sincerity, I was joking with, um, one owner in the league who's been he, talking to me off and on about EU Henio, but I don't know that it would, it's been that serious, but each time he's brought him up to me has been the only time I've considered trading him. And the next day he's homered like clockwork each time. I always feel like anytime I consider trading someone, they immediately homer or have a quality start or something like that. And so now I'm like, maybe I should just start offering like EU Henio for DeGrom Eugenio for Freddie Freeman, just all these trades that I know will get rejected just to karmically inspire him to Homer that night. Can so I just say no to you verbally record. right now? So we don't have to go through that. <laughs> do, but do, but no, because the exercise requires you to go in the app and say, no, that's how Eugenio knows it's time. Okay. Anyway, I'm, like- an, I'm an idiot, but uh, you know, if you want Eugenio text me or any of my players text me. You're saying Eugenio wants to stay with the tribe. Yes. Yes. The tribe being something that, Adam, well, shit, even when I specify to Adam, it could still be the Cleveland Indians. We're talking about the Jews. <laughs> Gentile <laughs> fools. Ah. All right. On that note, we're going to call it a week. Uh, thank you for listening. We'll see you guys next week. Throw a tantrum, this that throw up in your Birkin bag. Hook up with someone random, this that social awkward suicide. That by your lips and by your likes. I swear she had a man, but shit hit different when it's Thursday night. That college dropout music every day like that. She be too thick and my friends are all annoying. But we go dumb, yeah, we go stupid. This the 10K on the table just so we can be secluded in the vodka. Came diluted, one more line, I'm superhuman Fuck you, and you, and you I hate your friends and they hate me too I'm through, I'm through, I'm through This that hot girl bummer anthem Turn it up and throw attention Fuck you, and you, and you And throw attention. This that hot girl bummer two step. They can't box me in. I'm too left. This that drip is more like oceans. They can't fit me in a Trojan out of pocket. But I'm always in my bag. Yeah, that's the slogan. This that who's all there. I'm pulling up with an emo chick that's broken. This that college dropout music. Every day, like that, she be too thick. And my friends are all annoying. But we go dumb, yeah, we go.
go stupid, this the 10K on the table just so we can be secluded And the vodka came diluted, one more line, I'm superhuman Fuck you, and you, and you I hate your friends and they hate me too I'm through, I'm through, I'm through Bitch, that hot girl by my anthem, turn it up and throw a tantrum Fuck you, and you, and you She be too thick and my friends are all annoying But we go dumb, yeah, we go stupid This the college dropout music Everyday like that She be too thick and my friends are all annoying But we go dumb, yeah, we go stupid We go stupid, we go stupid, we go And you want me to change? Fuck you! Fuck you, and you, and you Throw attention